Could it be that we've watered down the demands of discipleship? Perhaps we've subscribed to easy believism, and in the process, we've cheapened grace. Listen to the words of Jesus from Luke 9.23. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Welcome to On Mission, the preaching ministry of Edgewood Baptist Church in Rock Island. When we gather together, we meet on 38th Street, and when we're scattered, we strive to live on mission all over the Quad Cities area. We're going to learn today that it's our responsibility to respond to God. It's time to no longer be passive. Listen now to part two of Denying Your Dark Side. Now, I didn't have to take the time to count each one, but the word if appears nearly 1,600 times in the Bible. Almost half of the 574 occurrences in the New Testament are found in the four Gospels. So the word if reminds us that it's our responsibility to respond and not be passive. We've said this before, we need to repeat it. You and I will never coast into Christ-likeness. It doesn't just happen the older you get as a Christ follower. You won't coast into Christ-likeness. Consider these examples from Jesus of the use of the word if, Mark 4, 23. If anyone has ears to hear, well, then let him hear. John 7, 37, if anyone is thirsty, well, let him come to me and drink. The reason some don't come is because they're like, I'm not thirsty, I'm satisfied, I'm good the way I am. John eight thirty one. if you continue in my word, then you are truly my disciples. John fourteen fifteen. if you love me, keep my commandments. So if means we have a choice in the matter whether or not we'll make our discipleship matter. Now, let's look at the first conditional demand of discipleship. We could call it desire. The first condition is a person must desire to be a disciple. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me. The phrase would come is the idea of intentionality. It involves an act of the will. It can be translated as desire or wish. So let me make a statement that isn't all that profound, but as you contemplate it, it is. In order to walk with Jesus, you must first want to walk with Jesus. And I wonder if some of us aren't growing because we don't really want to. The New King James renders this clause this way, whoever desires to come after me. New American Standard, if anyone wishes. New Living Translation, if any of you wants to be my follower. So this was not a secret teaching for a select few. No, this call of Jesus goes out to everyone and to anyone, to the curious crowd, those nearby, to the committed disciples, the core, and even to the counterfeit, Judas. Well, these three groups are still present today, right here in this place and those listening online. There are some who are curious about Christ and maybe haven't been saved yet. Many others, the majority, are committed to Christ, while a few have counterfeit faith. Jesus gives the same message to each of these groups. A common misconception in the church is that discipleship is only for the super committed people. It's not for everyone. 
Uh, One pastor captures this misconception. He writes this, if you're a masochist who likes hardship, deprivation, sacrifice, and perhaps even martyrdom, you can sign up for the discipleship track. The other track for us normal people, oh, that's more sensible. It's a more sensible plan. You can still pursue your dreams for success and personal fulfillment. And you can generally enjoy the good life and the fellowship of a good evangelical church. Every once in a while, you need to drop something in the offering plate. But don't worry about sacrifice or cross-bearing or self-denial. Here's how he ends. I contend that Jesus taught there is only one track for those who believe in him. Namely, the discipleship track. If you're not his disciple, you are not a Christian. Every believer is called to be completely yielded to Jesus as Lord. Now, with words like that, maybe it makes us wonder, like, I don't know where I'm at. Well, it doesn't matter what you've done or how you've been living. I'm reminded of the song by Michael W. Smith. There's one line in there. Wherever you are at the cross, there is room. Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned. We're all busted. We're all sinners. Acts 10.34, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness through his name. So look at the phrase, come after me. That implies movement of lining up behind the Lord, following him wherever he goes. So we don't walk in front of him and ask him to catch up with us in our ways and our wishes. No, we get behind him so that we walk wherever he walks. We walk after him, not ahead of him. We don't live our life the way we want to live it and then once in a while say, God, would you bless me in what I want to do? No, we follow him and we then walk in his blessings when our lives line up with his word. So here's a question. You have to answer it. You don't have to answer it out loud. Do you have the desire to follow Jesus as one of his disciples? Listen, you won't follow him if you don't want to. One of Beth's sisters years ago made a statement that we quote in our family. I've shared this before, but it's like in our family vernacular. She probably doesn't even know we quote her. It goes like this. People do what they want to do. Well, in the area of discipleship, people do what they want to do. It sounds so simple, but it's true. So some are not following the Savior simply because they don't have a desire to do so. Or because their desire is for immediate gratification and they're living to satisfy those desires instead of living for godliness. So let me say it again. Until you desire to be a disciple, you won't be one. 
Psalm 73, 25, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing on earth that I desire beside you. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Let's look next at denial. So the first condition is to settle your desire. Second is to deny himself. This is hard. Jesus said, let him deny himself. If this is your desire to follow me, deny yourself. That phrase, let him, puts the responsibility on each one of us. It's intentional. It's not automatic. I appreciate the candor of one believer. Perhaps you'll resonate with this honesty. He writes this, honestly, I don't want to forsake myself. I like me. And I don't want to be told that the one I like the most, I have to forsake. Yet Jesus says that I have to deny or forsake the one person I like best. Everything within us screams against surrendering in this way. To deny is to mean, it means a firm refusal. It's the same word used of Peter denying Jesus. The one Bible dictionary defines denial this way, to disown and renounce self and to subjugate all works, all interests, and all enjoyments. One Bible commentator captures it this way, self-denial is turning away, this is quite a phrase, self-denial is turning away from the idolatry of self-centeredness and every attempt to orient one's life by the dictates of self-interest. Jesus said it rather bluntly, Luke 14, 33, so therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. My good friend, Ben Lovelady, is the pastor at First Baptist Church in Silvis, and he posted something last week which captures why it's so difficult for us to deny ourselves. I have his permission to share this. It's quite deep, so travel with me into some depth here. He writes, a tragic irony of living in a world devoid of absolute truth is not that absolutes disappear, but that they exponentially increase. Every opinion, think of our culture today, Every opinion becomes elevated to that of a Lord. In ancient times, Ben writes, gods were thought to have zip codes. This God being, this God being God over this land and this God over that. Here's how he ends. In our times, the divine zip codes have shrunk to the size of our heads. And I would add, our hearts. Friends, this is hard, but to deny self is a command from Jesus Christ himself. It's an aorist imperative meaning we're to deny ourselves right now without delay. We're called to make a radical decision to renounce all our own righteousness and to refuse to see self as supreme You know, most of us understand that we've been saved by grace through faith, 
But do you know that it's God's grace that can help us, equip us to renounce ungodliness as well? For the grace of God has appeared, Titus 2, 11 and 12, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. I appreciate the reminder from Nancy Guthrie. We simply cannot think that we can live the Christian life by following our hearts because our hearts will lead us astray. So denying self is not the same thing as self-denial, like not eating chocolate or going on a Facebook fast, as good as those things are to do. No, it's more than that. To deny self is turning from sin and selfishness and turning to the Savior. Having said that, it may involve saying no to some practices, some habits, some relationships that you know are not godly. Stephen Cole writes, we renounce self-exaltation and we live to exalt God. We renounce self-will and we live to do God's will. We renounce self-seeking and we live instead to seek God and his kingdom. Those who follow Jesus repudiate a self-centered life at every level. The Bible commentator Alexander McLaren observes, flagrant vice is not needed to kill the real life. Clean, respectable selfishness does the work effectually. So what does that look like? Well, denying self means I stop thinking I'm always right. I stop living in my own power. I refuse to pursue my own pleasures because I no longer belong to myself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, or do you not know that your body, this is a mind blow, our bodies, if you're a born again believer, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God. You are not your own. Your body doesn't belong to you. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Therefore, so glorify God in your body. So in short, I must give up the right to run my own life because I no longer own my own life. I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, and now I belong to him. John Calvin called self-denial the sum of the Christian life. The word deny is the polar opposite of confess. This is an urgent command, because if we don't deny self, listen, you could end up denying the Savior. I just ask Peter. So we must confess Christ and deny self or we'll confess self and end up denying Christ. You will either live for self or you'll live for the Savior. One of the pastors that I greatly appreciate and listen to his sermons, read his books, is Erwin Lutzer. He just retired from Moody Church in Chicago. On New Year's Day several years ago, he made this post. 
But there's one resolution we all should make, that we will not begin a single day in the new year without giving thanks to God. That's a great idea. Meditating on one chapter of God's word, that's a great idea. And praying, Father, glorify yourself in my life today. Well, of course. Uh, But would you observe how he ends it? Father, glorify yourself in my life today at my expense. Most of us are fine with glorifying God. Uh, But we don't really want to do it if it costs us something. Yeah, we want to exalt him, but not if it's at our own expense. Listen, we cannot fully follow Christ and live our lives any way we please. Now, some of you know the truth of what I'm about to say. If you're headed the wrong way, God may send people or problems your way to get your attention because he loves you. Paul David Tripp writes this, God is quite willing to interrupt your comfort in order to reclaim the allegiance and submission of your heart. This week I listened to a song that it's very unusual. It's by Mercy Me. The name of the song is So Long Self. The reason it's unusual, the lyrics describe a man breaking up, so it's like a breakup song, but he's breaking up with himself. Listen to it. Well, if I come across a little bit distant, it's just because I am. Things just seem to feel a little bit different, you understand. Believe it or not, but life is not apparently about me anyways. But I've met the one who really is worthy. So let me say, so long, self. Well, it's been fun, but I found somebody else. So long, self. There's just no room for two, so you're going to have to move so long, self. Now, don't take this wrong, but you are wrong for me. Farewell, oh well, goodbye, don't cry, so long, self. Question, you ever broken up with yourself? Because there is no room for two. Have you broken up with yourself, or are you all about yourself is self on the throne of your life or is the savior salvation is free but discipleship will cost you your life i close with three questions number one what have you learned about intentional discipleship through this series if this is your first weekend here welcome or maybe connecting online What has God taught you today? This past Tuesday during our staff team time, I asked the staff, and I thought you'd want to hear their responses. One person said, I want to be more intentional and look outward. Another one said, to equip parents to disciple their children. Another one said, pass on what others have poured into my life. Still another, look at every day and every opportunity to choose to be a disciple. One person said, be accountable to God. Another one, parents are responsible to disciple their children. The church's role is to support and be a resource. And then check out this last one. Denying yourself opens doors to everything else.
So what about you? What have you been learning? Which leads to question number two. Who can you share that with? What have you been learning and who can you share that with? Do so this week. And by the way, if you've been stirred by the Holy Spirit during this series and you're like, man, I got to get serious about my growth. I'm going to need some help. I want someone to disciple me. Or if you're like, man, I have been a Christian for a long time. It's time for me to pour into someone else's life. We're having an interest meeting on Thursday, February 25th. Question number three. Have you denied yourself and surrendered to the Savior. Shortly before Robert E. Lee died, he was asked by a young mother to bless her baby. So he took the baby in his arms. He looked at the baby, looked at the mom, looked back down at the baby, locked eyes with the mother, and he said these unforgettable words. Teach him to deny himself. That is all. And he gave the baby back. You know, after I became a follower of Christ, I read a booklet by Campus Crusade for Christ, now called Crew. This booklet has stayed with me for over 40 years. I still remember what color it was. It was blue. The name of the booklet, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? Simple illustration depicts the difference between a life that's lived with self on the throne and a life lived with Christ on the throne. I see the bakers sitting in the back. They were on staff with crew. You know this booklet, don't you? I have like a, like a picture of this in my mind from when I was a college student. It helped me and perhaps it'll help you today. Is Jesus on the throne of your life? Or are you on the throne of your life? See, the self-directed life is filled with guilt and worry and discouragement and discord and frustration and fear and disobedience and nothing makes sense in life. While the Christ-directed life, you can see, is more ordered, things are in the proper perspective, Love, life is filled more with love and joy, peace, patience, trust, and obedience. So what about you? Is self on the throne of your life or is the Savior? Remember, don't follow your heart. Lead your heart to follow Christ. Do you desire the Savior above everything else? And are you ready today, right now, without delay, to deny yourself. Let's stay in this moment for a bit as we ponder this question. Is Jesus on the throne of your life? Is the Savior in the driver's seat? Or is self-driving your life? To deny self is a command from Christ himself to deny ourselves right now, without delay. We're called to make a radical decision to renounce our own righteousness and refuse to see self as supreme. If you're ready right now to deny yourself without delay, pray this prayer with me. Lord, you are Lord, and I am not. I repent of my self-centered, self-seeking, and self-directed life. 
I turn from how I've been living and ask you to forgive me. Enable me to deny myself so I can identify myself with you and follow you, no matter how hard it will be. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for On Mission. If you'd like to hear more messages like this one, go to edgewoodbaptist.net or download our free mobile app on the Apple App Store or Google Play by searching for Edgewood QC. If you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you as a guest at one of Edgewood's three weekend services, Saturday at 5 or Sunday at 9 or 1045. We have a full children's program during both Sunday services. My name is Matt Williams and I'm a member of Edgewood. Ethan Curry, also an Edgewood member, is serving as the producer of this program. We look forward to connecting with you again next weekend as we learn more about how to live on mission. Until then, go deep in God's Word and keep applying it to your world. On Mission is furnished by Edgewood Baptist in Rock Island, Illinois.